0: It is so great to be here. Do you know what? It's um, infrequent that I get to come and be with you guys on a Sunday morning, and I've just been looking forward to this all week, genuinely, um, because God has... So for those of you who don't know me... <laughs> better introduce myself, my name's Al, I'm normally based over at our our sister site over in the east where we meet at Dorkin Academy and that's where we find ourselves week by week but it's a real privilege to come back and be with you guys today because we are one family that God has joined together in this mission to see uh, this town and the nations of the world impacted by the good news of Jesus Christ. That God has called us as one church spread out across the town and so it's a real blessing And a real privilege to be with you guys. I've just been feeling in my heart, I said to Sarah last night, I'm so looking forward to coming and being with you guys uh, this morning. I don't know a lot of you. Many of you are new here since we multiplied a couple of years ago. Um, So it's just a real blessing. And I just want to share something from the East um, in a moment. But we are uh, really kicking off, if you like, a, a series looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But this all really comes off the back of how we felt God really speaking to us uh, through the month of October. If you are here with us about, about holiness and about obedience and about laying ourselves down before him. And this is very much a continuation of that. This is not, a, oh, that was a nice month of looking at, let's pursue God and now, and now let's look at the person of the Holy Spirit. No, this is, a, this is something that God is doing with us where he says, I want you to lay down everything before me. Empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what we're going to look at today. Today we're going to be looking at what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. And we're going to be basing ourselves in 1 Corinthians 12. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn there. But we will be going kind of all over Scripture um, as well. And if you remember, if there's only one thing that you get out of today and you remember, it's this. That life in the Spirit is an ongoing and experienced reality. Life in the Spirit is an ongoing and experienced reality. And we'll come back to that. And I just particularly want to say that um, a lot of what we're going to be saying this morning is really really for those who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. What does it look like to be people that are full of the Holy Spirit? But if you're here this morning and you say, do you know, I, I don't know Jesus. I've never put my trust and my faith uh, into him. I just want to pray that God would do something in your heart this morning, that he would open your eyes to see the beauty of the gospel this morning. And actually, as I'm talking, there might be something of what I say that just makes your stomach churn a little. And that's going to be God speaking to you and say, son, daughter, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to put your trust in me today. But just before we go, I just want to read um, a letter that I received from the head teacher at the Dorkin Academy. For those of you who were, um, who were around over the summer, you'll know we took up an offering. But the whole purpose of that offering was to give it all away um, outside of Gateway, so we, and over that offering by God's grace and God's amazing end, because of your generosity, we raised something like £40,000, which is quite incredible, really. And we've, we are in the process of giving that money to three different places. One, to buy a piece of land in Burundi. The second thing we talked about was giving it to the school, Dawkin Academy, where we are based, uh, over in the east. And the third is to really bless uh, Swindon and kind of have a pot of money available to serve into this town. And uh, two, two or three weeks ago, we had the privilege of transferring £7,500 to Dawkin Academy for underprivileged students, for those who might not otherwise get experiences and educational opportunities, £7,500 transferred to the school. And this is a letter that um, I received from their head. I just feel like I want to read because it's your guys' generosity that enabled this to happen. This is a story that God has got us like, yes, we're based in the East. This is a story that God is knitting together as us, as God's people. It says, on behalf of the staff and students at Dawkin, I am writing to thank you for your extremely generous donation of seven and a half thousand pounds. It is very rare for anyone to donate large sums of money like this, and it far exceeded our expectations. Please pass on our thanks to your congregation for their kindness and generosity. Aren't those kings and values? Kindness and generosity mark the people of God. It will enable us to provide opportunities to students that otherwise would not be able to access them enriching their learning experience and their lives. We look forward to sharing with you the impact of your donation. I would also like to thank you for your commitment to pray for our school on a regular basis. I believe it is really making a difference. Hallelujah to the atmosphere. We have an excellent start to the term and the tide is turning in a positive direction. Do you know what, I'm gonna cherish this letter to the day I die, because I love hearing stories of us as God's people going and taking the blessing of God to the world around us. And I just want to say thank you. I want to share that with you because you are part of that story. You're part of that journey as well. I'd like to just for a few moments, just before I start speaking, just to really open our hearts. I don't want us to get into listening theology mode. I want want us to be ready to experience the power of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. I just wonder if you're happy just to close your eyes. If you want to hold your hands out, that's fine. I just want to allow a moment just for God to come and speak to you by his Holy Spirit this morning. I'm just going to be in silence just for a few moments. And I would just like to invite you to say, God, would you feel me today? This is not some theoretical exercise. This is a reality of life with God. And so for you today, I'd just like to invite you, if you'd like to, just to say, God, feel me Today, God, I pray that you would fill us afresh today with the Holy Spirit. Come and be with us. Come and fuel us. Come and anoint us. Come and baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you in each of our own hearts now just to receive afresh the power and the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit afresh over each of us today, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We simply cry, come, Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. So we're going to be kicking off in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 3, really emphasising the last bit of verse 3, and then we're just going to go take bits of the other parts of Scripture as well. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Now about the gifts of the spirits, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you are pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The flow of Paul's argument here that he makes in other parts of Scripture, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, if you look at Galatians, if you look at Romans 8, the flow of the argument is this. If you are a Christian, God breathed his life into you by the, by the person of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you have received the Holy Spirit. Because, the Bible says, you were dead in your sin And dead people cannot wake themselves up. You were literally dead. You were spiritually dead. You were were unable to wake yourself up. And something had to happen to wake yourself up and to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. And that is the person of the Holy Spirit who came and he breathed life into you. You had a heart of stone, the Bible says. And then the Holy Spirit came and he breathed on you and he gave you a heart of flesh. And therefore, this morning, if you are in Christ, the only way you can say you are in Christ is because the Holy Spirit did something in you and breathed his life into you and upon you. Do you know, salvation was not your idea. You did not initiate it. God initiated it by breathing his life into you and upon you. And yes, you responded by faith, but it's a God thing that happened in your life. He breathed his Holy Spirit upon you. The breath of God came upon you and caused your dead bones to wake up, your spiritual deadness to be awoken up. It's not by our own efforts, Ephesians 2 says, so that none can boast. And So it's a spirit-empowered activity to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has done something in you that has caused you to come to life through into Jesus Christ. He has anointed you, he has empowered you, he has breathed his life into you. Christian this morning, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has breathed life into you. But with that in mind, really what I want to do this morning is ask two very simple questions that I hope will help and they're quite easy to remember, I hope. The first one is this, now what? And the second one is, so what? Now what? If God woke me up and breathed his life into me, is that it? Or is there something else, some more of God that we get to experience in the Christian life? And so what? Why does all this matter? Why are we so passionate about being a people that are empowered and equipped and fueled by the person of the Holy Spirit? Those are the two questions that we're going to ask this morning, and then we're going to respond. Now what, and so what? And in a few moments, we're going to observe a two-minute silence as well, so we're going to try and get through all of this. So the first thing, now what? To say that we the Holy Spirit sneaks into the back door of our lives subconsciously at the moment of our salvation, and then that's it, is quite frankly, I think, unbiblical. I hope you would agree. The Holy Spirit is not a silent intruder that comes in through the back door one day and we suddenly get saved and that's it, and we never again, we never again experience the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. If we live like that, we are, we are not experiencing the fullness and the possibilities and the power that God has opened up to us by the person of the Holy Spirit here on earth, now, today. You see, baptism, filling of the Holy Spirit, is not a one-off event, but an ongoing and experienced way of life. It's not a one-time offer, it's a lifestyle. It's not a one-time deal, it's a lifestyle with God, of walking with Him and saying, God, fill me today. Let's just look at this for a moment, the fact it's ongoing. Peter at Pentecost, the Apostle Peter, Acts chapter 2, here he is. He's walked with Jesus for three years. He's living with this promise of the Holy Spirit coming. And then in Acts chapter 2, this promised Holy Spirit suddenly comes... The Holy Spirit comes and anoints them and fills Peter and the apostles and they preach and they see thousands of people saved and the kingdom of God breaking out in this incredible way that we look to and go, oh my goodness, I want this in Swindon today. But then we read in two chapters later, Acts chapter 4 verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and then he's before the Jewish council at that point. Then he gets let out from the Jewish council and he, he goes back and he prays with the believers and it says this in Acts chapter 4 verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Peter, two chapters earlier, anointed, baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they are filled again. It is not a one-time offer. It's an ongoing reality. And if it's good enough for the apostle Peter, it's sure good enough for me. If it's good enough for the early apostles... It's good enough for me. They set a normal pattern for us as followers of Jesus that empowering, baptizing, equipping, filling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality. And we see this developed in Ephesians 5, where the Bible says to us, the language being used by by Paul as he writes to the church in Ephesus is this, be being filled, i.e., go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't look back to 20 years ago and said, oh, oh yeah, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. Be being filled today. You see, it can be easy. If you've been a Christian for a while, it can be easy to look back to the 90s in the Toronto blessing. And I was, a, I was alive then. I was around. I was in kids' church and we used to do a lot of praying and man, the Holy Spirit came upon us. It's not okay to say, in the 1990s, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled me then. It's not okay to say, oh, once a few years ago, I experienced the Holy Spirit come and baptize me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, today, believer, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The next day, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter did not live off his Pentecost experience. If anybody could have done it, Peter could have said, you know, I've got the T-shirt, guys. The Holy Spirit came upon me. I've got my Pentecost experience. I saw thousands saved. Hey, guys, I've got it all. I've got the Spirit. What does it say two chapters later? Peter, they prayed, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them again. If anybody could have lived off their baptism in the Spirit moment, it was Peter. Yet he was hungry for more because he knows it's an ongoing reality. I'm just going to pause there. I'm just conscious of time. Um, as you'll know, we are going to be observing a two-minute silence at 11 o'clock. It is 100 years to the day today since the end of World War One. And as we, Nigel and I were talking about this last week, we say we want to, we do want to honour and and understand where we've come from as a people. And actually, if you're and recognise that the war in that moment and wars today cause significant damage to society, and there are many war zones. Today, And so we want to stand and we want to, remem- we want to do three things as we stand and remember. We want to remember those who did pay the price. We want to pray for our nation. And we want to pray for the nations of the world where there are conflict rife right now. There should be a slide coming up at the moment, which are active conflict zones in the world right now. The darker the color, the more deaths there were last year in 2018. And I've just put some countries on there just to help us. And we see Syria and Yemen and Myanmar and so we're going to stand and we're going to be silent for a couple of moments. And you can do in this whatever you want in your conscience. That's absolutely fine. But I, I, once we've had two minutes, I'm going to pray for the nations of the world that we might see peace, reign and not war. So can I invite you, if you're, um, if you're able and if you're comfortable, we're just going to stand and we're just going to be silent. And you can reflect. Some of you may have been touched directly by war. You may have family relatives who have gone through war conflict. And this is a moment for you to remember and to mourn. Some of you may have no friends and family who are currently in active conflict zones. We're just going to stand and be silent, and then we're going to pray as God's people. As I was walking in this morning, I, I walked past the, um, in the town centre, the, um, the remembrance thing of uh, the, uh, the statue in, in town. And there was a phrase that said, they died that we might live. And that is true. We recognise those who fought and gave them their hearts and their lives. But as I read that, I was reminded that you died, that we might live, Jesus. You died that we might have life, and life in all its fullness, and life eternal. Lord, we do want to mourn with those who mourn today, both in this nation, those who have been impacted and affected by war, those in nations across the world who this morning are weeping because they are ravaged by war. Lord, we weep with those who weep this morning. Lord, when we look at things on the news when we see situations in Syria, we are not immune to the sufferings that are happening in our society, Lord, and we weep this morning with those who are weeping in Aleppo and in Myanmar and in Burundi and in Sudan and in Egypt and in Libya and et cetera, et cetera, and in Iraq and in Iran. Lord, we weep with those who weep this morning. And we want to claim and lay hold of the promise in Ephesians 2 where it says, Jesus says, he himself is our peace. And he has made peace. And Lord, we recognise that hostility and war is because of a lack of peace between people groups. And so we pray for the peace of heaven to, to fall upon this earth in a greater measure in these days. Jesus, that your name might be proclaimed and bring peace between warring tribes and warring people groups. We pray that there will be an outpouring of the peace of heaven upon the nations of this world, Lord. We recognise that you are the hope of this world. You are the hope to warring tribes. You are the hope to warring people groups. And so we say the peace of Jesus would come and descend upon this earth in greater measure. Lord, we do stand with those, Lord, today. And we weep and we are sorrowful for what we see around us. And so it makes our hearts cry out, God, there must be more. There is more, Lord. Lord, we want, to, we, want to, we want to pray faithfully. We want to resource faithfully. We want to enable those to go with the good news of Jesus. We want to see the kingdom of God breaking out in places where the, where the gospel is closed off, where there might be war and trouble. And we say your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We know your kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Bring about peace, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Please do grab a seat. I was just listening to something in the week about um, suicide of um, ex-servicemen in our society. And just that expression just came into my mind. We weep with those who weep. With families who are touched by servicemen who have gone and fought and then come back. And because of their mental health, because of the challenges, because of what they've seen, they commit suicide. And my heart just broke in that moment. I said, we weep with those who weep. We never want to be immune to the sufferings of our world. We want to have deep compassion like Jesus had compassion. When the Bible talks about compassion, it's like an inner gut-wrenching. It's like your guts are almost coming out of you. That's the expression. It's quite an ugly expression in that way. It's like a deep thing. And I want to pray that we would never be a people that are not moved by suffering. We would never grow tired of seeing suffering, but actually it would cause compassion, which results in action for us as the people of God. We might be a people known for our compassion in all sorts of different ways. So we've looked at the Spirit, jumping back, we've looked at the Holy Spirit being an ongoing reality, not a one-off event, but a lifestyle. But the second component of life in the Spirit is that Life in the Spirit is experienced. God, Callum prayed it in the prayer meeting earlier, God is an experiential God. He he went with his people by, by cloud in the day and by fire at night in the desert. He sent his son Jesus. God is an experiential God. And wherever you go in the book of Acts, the baptizing, the filling of the Holy Spirit was never a subconscious, sneaky backdoor event. It's the Holy Spirit wide open. He comes in, he fills the place, and it changes everything in people's lives. The Holy Spirit is not a sneaky intruder via the back door. He comes in and he changes everything. He is experiential. Being baptized and filled with the Spirit is an experienced, life-changing power. And I don't just mean now, here, Sunday morning, we, we respond to God and, and we might have a tingly feeling in our hands or we might burst out with laughter or we might have joy or we might cry. God is a powerful God and when he meets us, whew, sometimes things happen physically that we don't necessarily expect. But I'm talking here about the kind of experience power that the early disciples saw and resulted in quite a radically different society around them. A the power and the boldness to witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. If, you're, if, you, if you know this morning, like, hey, this is my challenge, is to, to speak freely of the good news of Jesus. Do you know what I need? I need an experienced power of the Holy Spirit again afresh. That will cause my mouth to open and boldness to come in a way that would never happen to me naturally because it's a supernatural thing that happens. Where God meets with me and the power comes experienced power i know when i'm refilled and equipped by the person of the holy spirit because i have power to witness in a way that i would never have otherwise it's a, it, the holy spirit coming is an experienced power of obedience and fruitfulness galatians 5 the fruits of the spirit are love and joy and patience and peace etc etc they are experienced ways of life you know when they are true of you and you know when they're not true when, when they are not true of you we need to say holy spirit come on experience, obedience, and fruitfulness. The power to love one another biblically. Do you see what happens in Acts? I love this. I love the way that Acts 2 comes about. They, they experience the power of the, of the gospel, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then what does it say? It says they're devoted to God, the apostles teaching the breaking of bread and the prayers, and none among them had need. Do you know, a community like that is a spirit-empowered community. Because in our own way of thinking. We naturally put up walls and barriers and fences. We naturally look inwards. We become selfish. And it requires the anointing of the person of the Holy Spirit to look out and to see a need amongst someone in the community and say, hi, I'm going to that, I'm going to that need. Or I see that person in pain. I'm going, to go and, I'm going to go and be with them. I'm going to journey with them. I see that person is lonely. I'm going to go and journey. I'm going to go and track with them. That is a Holy Spirit-experienced reality. Because otherwise, we draw the bridge up. And we say, me and my life. And what we need is the Holy Spirit to come and put the drawbridge down, and it causes us to go out. Why does all this matter? Why are we so passionate about receiving and living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? And it's this main reason. Because we need to understand and live in the good of the fact that as a Christian, you have God himself dwelling with you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of our Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal, eternally existent with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is not some subsidiary of God or some supernatural force. He is a person that is, who is God himself. And we need to understand this, not just theoretically, but experientially, that we have the person of God dwelling with us. I think I'd often love to imagine myself walking with Jesus in A.D. 30, or walking with God in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. But do you know what Jesus says? He says it's better that I go. It's to your advantage that I actually go and be with my Father, because I'm going to send the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. Can you imagine being with Jesus in that moment, and you spent three years with him, and he says it's better? By, oh, by the way, guys, it's better that I go away because someone else is coming. You would just It would blow your mind. Yet he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the one who comes alongside, the advocate, the advisor, the one who will stand with you. I'm going to send him into you, disciple, to equip you and to empower you in this journey of faith. It's better. It's better that I go, he says. It's to your advantage, that I go. I just want to illustrate this point very quickly. Nigel, can I you're not prepared for this? Can you stand up? Stand facing that way. Keep going. So in Greek, Greek soldiers used to refer, so in the battle, they would stand like this with another soldier fighting in the middle of a war, and the person that stood behind them was called the paraclete, i.e. the the same word as God, as Jesus is using for the Holy Spirit somebody who is standing with you in the battle. Fighting with you so that you are not hurt and wounded. But unlike in war, where soldiers—you can sit down now—where soldiers get killed and hurt, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, will never leave you, and He'll never forsake you, and He's got your back, and He's standing with you. And I felt this morning there are people here this morning who you would say, and you would feel, I feel alone in the battle that I am facing. And my prayer for you this morning is, you would know that you have the Paracletos with you, fighting your battle with you. You feel like going into despair right now. You feel you are hopeless. You feel like um, I'm on my own in this. And God says, God says this. He says, I've sent you the Paracletos, who's standing behind you, fighting your battle with you. And we need to get hold of this, not just theoretically, but experientially. The Paracletos is with us because we live in the same part of the story. We are in post-Pentecost. We are living in the same part of the story that Acts was. Therefore, everything that was true of Acts is true for us today. Therefore, the paracletos is with us today. Therefore, God himself is dwelling in you, and he wants to fill you and empower you and equip you for all the things that we have talked about. How does all this happen? How do we experience the power, Holy Spirit anointing, Holy Spirit baptism? It's very simple. Jesus simply bids you to come. John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will flow. There are some of you here who still live in your Pentecost moment. You look back and you say, oh yes, I knew the Holy Spirit then, and God wants you to be like Peter today, and you say, it's for now, it's for today. The baptism, the anointing, the empowering of the Holy Spirit for now, for today, for tomorrow, to witness, to love, to have zeal for the Lord, to persevere, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And I'm just going to finish with this quote, and then we're going to respond with a song, which I love this quote, and I've changed it. I don't know if you're allowed to do this, but I did it anyway. I, I edited the quote, because in the quote, he talks about you, but I actually want to talk about we, because this is me. This is us. This is not me going, oh, look, hey, I don't know how this works. This is us on a journey together of growing in God. I might come up on the screen, I think. Our problem isn't that we lack the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized by Jesus in the Spirit, and he now and forevermore will dwell and live within us. But some of us have neglected him. We've assumed that we can get on well enough under our own power, and what we need is for the Spirit to energize our heart to awaken our slumbering soul, to empower our weak will, to set on fire yet again our affections, to enlighten our minds so we might conquer again and see and savour the beauty of Jesus, to give us boldness and courage so we might conquer our fears and open our mouth to proclaim the gospel. This is some of us this morning. When we first came to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, we drank deeply of the Spirit. He was like a refreshing spring of cool water to our parched and dry soul. And now we need a fresh sip. We need to dip our cup into the pool of his presence and power and drink yet again. Come, Holy Spirit, today.